The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with the author, Laura Benedetto. Did I get that right, Laura? You did. Excellent. Excellent. I was a little nervous about it. Um, You are a TEDx speaker. And then, as I mentioned, an author, your book is The Six Habits. And the work you really do is teaching uh, people, women specifically, kind of how to create the life of your dreams. And I love the way that you phrase that around, like, without sacrificing what we love. That's right. Which sounds pretty important, um, especially kind of given the world we're living in. Uh, and everything that's going on, making that time for what are our dreams, what are the things we love, how to pursue and navigate that um, during all of this complexity. So I'm so excited for you to be here today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me here to chat with you. Um, I, I hear what you're saying about just things being so complicated and pe- perhaps people not knowing where to start with, you know, how to make our dreams come true. But I, I mean, I you know, the, the whole framework of the six habits is how to make your dreams come true without sacri- sacrificing what you love. And I suppose the COVID rider to this would be, and without losing your mind. Yeah. Um, because I think the common response to anything to do with dream development and self-care and self-investment is, oh, I'll wait till this COVID stuff is behind us. Right now I'm in just survival mode. I'm not focused on thriving because it's too much work or there's guilt associated or the uh, crushing weight of far too much responsibility, having homeschool while running a company or being employed or whatever. It's a lot. It is. It is a lot. And I think um, one of the things as we were, I was sort of getting to know about your work before this episode. One of the phrases that, that I read about sort of your passion and your drive um, and, and I'm just going to kind of quote it. It's that right, working with uh, women leaders to stand apart from the crowd by being themselves without fear of speaking the unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like that, that, that is real. And you don't necessarily like you don't identify as an agilist as most of our listeners do. Like the, the idea of what is agile is very new to you and all of this. But when I think about the work we are called to do as change agents, working in organizations undergoing transformation, we are often called upon to speak the unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, there's definitely overlap in your passion and body of work with this. So before we start unpacking the six habits and all of that, I, I just really want kind of your commentary on like, 
what led you to do this sort of work? And what have you observed as you've been doing it around the role of women in business, in the workplace? Like, tell us all the things, Laura. Tell you all the things. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep this a short episode, but I'll do my best. Um, so I, I do this work for the same reason that I want to encourage others to do the same work, actually. You don't necessarily have to write a book about habits the way I did, but I started this work because I was a very, very accomplished young retiree, 37 years old, retired extremely wealthy, successful, all of these things on paper. Um, and, but I was so burnt out and I was so just unsuccessful as me, just me the person, forget my roles, but just me as my identity because I was tired. I was burnt out. I had been neglecting myself for so long in the pursuit of this grand notion of success. And I was... I was under the illusion that happiness was a thing you could buy or a thing you could achieve. And I think that a lot of women are. Um, and also that's kind of what we're taught. If you're, if you're thin enough, you're finally successful in happiness. You know, if you're successful enough, if you have a nice enough car, if you have a nice enough wardrobe, if, if you get if, your kids into the right school. Yeah. So it's this concept of enough and it plagued me for years. And, you know, I, I, I achieved a lot of success because of, this massive chasm of feeling like I wasn't enough. I didn't have enough. I didn't do enough. And so I just got extremely frustrated. So as an entrepreneur and as a natural born type A problem solver, I wanted to feel better just by myself. I, I really didn't set out on this adventure to write a book to start transforming women's lives but that's what's happening. I wrote a book. Um, I am transforming women's lives and it started by transforming my own so massively. I went from depressed and burnt out and really suffering from lots of self-inflicted stress, gut health issues. I was literally bleeding internally. Um, and I was fighting with my husband and, and now I'm living a life that I created with intention. I'm happy. I wake up in a great mood every day. I'm doing some awesome stuff. Stress just rolls off me like water off a duck's back. Like, phew, it's fine. Like, I finally get to be the woman I always wanted to be. And success is so much different than what I had initially defined it. And happiness is finally defined according to my own terms. And, and I think my biggest thrill in all of this was being able to figure out what the systematic, reliable, efficient, pathway to whatever success and happiness we define it as is, and then giving it to other people. So it's like, okay, you, you, you know, you have your life that you've built according to other people's rules. Now I'm going to give yeah. you the framework to build your life according to your rules. Let's talk about what success and happiness really look like according to you. And let's do things differently. And let's see you smile for real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I love about that, that story, Laura, is that Right, the very first line of the Agile Manifesto that like we're all taught in like our very first introduction to Agile sort of experiences is we're uncovering better ways of delivering value by doing it ourselves and helping others do it too. Okay, and so, like, so we are very synchronous. <laughs> yes, from a values sort of 
perspective, I do believe there is such overlap because um, I hear an authenticity and I know we even chatted about that word being used too much, but there's like a resonance in what you're saying of, I believe this because I know it and I've experienced it. Yes. And so the, as you have, you know, other women you've worked with through your career and in the work of sort of helping others with the six habits, Mm -hmm. what is it you've kind of just seen on your own around how just the role of women in the workplace has shifted? Because I think that's just interesting framing. And I always love to get people's opinion on that. Sure. I mean, I think the, the role of women in the workplace has shifted. And there's a lot of stuff that's shifted with it. Um, women are taking on more power, they're taking more on more responsibility, which is wonderful. And I'm very excited about that. Um, at the same time, what you're getting is a lot of traditional gender dynamics being challenged in the home. And it's causing some unintended consequences with men not being sure what their responsibilities are at home and where they fit because women are so powerful, which is wonderful. So we can have the babies, we can make all the money and we can do all this. And the men are just like, I'll be over there. Like (laughs) it's just creating an interesting dynamic. And I'm, I'm seeing a a major, major, incredible uprising of women and their capabilities. Um, But it's also creating an invitation for a lot of conversation um, around creating new gender expectations that are more diverse, more egalitarian, more um, based in communication, and that actually can help families to thrive better. Because listen, you have to understand, you are talking to a woman that I don't believe in personal life and professional life. I believe in life. Life. Yes. I'm the same. (laughs) Period. Okay. So it's like what happens and affects you as a woman professionally will affect you at home. And And vice versa. Correct. And you will only be as successful as your partner allows you to be at work. And you will only be as successful at home as your, you know, as your career allows you to be. And it's really important that we, I think, acknowledge these things, talk about them, and really just try to exist in a much more clear, um, intentional way. And instead of just pretending that these dynamics are not shifting, actually acknowledging how are we changing? What is added to our plates? What are we needed to do as humans, as women? And also, how do we communicate with our partners and with our male counterparts in the business world and in, in the home? Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me a little about how you alluded to the definition of success and what you thought the definition of success was and how what success to you really was something very different. And it's a little bit of, you know, the patriarchy for lack of a better word has defined success for us. Um, Even Mm -hmm. further to say that in, you know, Western culture, the white man's patriarchy has sort of defined that. So we've been playing by a set of rules that no wonder doesn't add up to what is fulfilling for us internally in terms of what success might be like, even though on paper it might look that way. Well, actually, evidence of what you're saying is is found in the discomfort that many of us as women feel around the idea of self-care. While we might be like, oh, I'm going to self-care and have the manicure and the glass of wine or the night out with our friends, real, true, deep self-care um, is so much broader than that. Sometimes it's just speaking our truth. Um, it's being okay if other people disagree with us. It's having a solid constitution and a powerful relationship with self. Um, 
you know, it's investing in your well-being as a human. It's having time away from kids and work and having 30 minutes of just silence. Um, it's a lot of different things. And, and it's important to not just women. Like yes. this is a human condition sort of thing. Oh, it is. Men feel even worse about it. They're like, oh, self-care, that's for women. Oh, no, 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 no. It's for humans. Yeah. For so humans. I love that women are, you know, traditionally the first ones to adopt the concept of self-care, but now we're kind of forced, grab our male friends by the face. Come on, let's go. Yeah. It's okay. You yeah. can take care of you. It's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's just get into it. Let's talk about the six habits and then maybe a little more about like the, the pain and suffering that's caused by not leaning into this sort of stuff. Sure. So I'll, good for you? yes. I mean, if you want to talk about the thing, that's my passion and my obsession for the first, you know, last two years, you're not going to hear me say no. <laughs> so, um, all right. So let me just break down what the habits actually are, and then I'll pick one and I'll really kind of dig into it for you. Great. So the six habits are kindness to ourselves, acceptance of ourselves, radical gratitude, presence, mm. goodness, and intention. Now, let me briefly define them for you. So kindness to ourselves. Most people hear the word kindness and they think, oh, that's being good to others. Nope, it's good to you. That's how you speak to yourself. It's how you pump yourself up. It's, it's how you tear yourself down or the lack thereof. Like kindness is the behavior you exhibit towards yourself. By contrast, acceptance is total unconditional love for yourself. So kindness is how you treat yourself. Acceptance is how you feel about yourself. While they are sisters, they are not twins. They're not the same. So gratitude, I've noticed a lot of people lately, um, last like couple of years have been, you know, adopting the whole writing down 10 ideas of things that they're grateful for before bed and encouraging their children. This is such a wonderful start and an entry point to the kind of gratitude that I'm talking about. Gratitude you called it radical gratitude. I do. I do. Yeah. Radical gratitude is finding gratitude in the darkest corners, the things we often take for granted. When you read my book, you'll, you'll see that I, I mentioned that hashtag first world problems. We are so bratty. We just are. And we don't even realize it. And radical gratitude, it's just called gratitude in the book, but it's really all about returning to humility and appreciation. Yeah. And when you do that, boy, the way you look at your life and everything in it changes. And I think there's an interesting linkage given, right, we're not only living in a world that's going through a pandemic, but the, the incredible focus on social injustice and mm -hmm. racial equality and everything, this idea of radical gratitude, to me is immediately firing some bulbs around how you, know, you and I both happen to be you know, appearing cisgendered white women, you know, radical gratitude to me looks like a way that we can actually get in touch with some of what, it, what are our areas of privilege that we need to actually be honoring and acknowledging so we can do other sorts of work in the world? Yep. Yep. One of the ways that, I mean, an additional way that um, gratitude could really be approached is also, I'm so grateful that the country is experiencing massive civil unrest right now because mm. it's actually bringing these issues to light so we can talk about them. Yeah. So the gratitude the way it's intended and the way that I like to approach it throughout the book is it's really, it's, we need to just take the 
the privilege lenses off and stop expecting our lives to be a certain way. I'm grateful the fact that I have 10 fingers. I'm, I'm grateful that I have skin on my face. I'm grateful that I can sit upright in a chair without needing someone to help me do it. I'm grateful that I was born, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really lots of things there. I mean, I'm also um, a survivor of domestic abuse and I'm actually really grateful for that experience because of what it revealed in me and the, uh, the incredible strength that I found probably earlier in life than I think I probably otherwise would have. Would I have found it? Yes, but probably not without some other rotten experiencing, you know, bringing it to light. So yeah, I love the yeah. idea of gratitude. So let me tell you about habits four, five, and six. So you've got um, presence, which I have ADHD and anyone that else that has it will discover that's a really tough one to master because you're like shiny thing everywhere. <laughs> but like opting into this moment, you know, worrying about what's going to happen a year from now and, you know, coronavirus and masks and violence and all these different things and business. And am I going to get that proposal? You're just stealing from today's joy by focusing on the future and ruminating over the past. You know, goodness is the habit of energy management. This is something uh, that is all about simple math. You add more good, you subtract bad. That's it. And then the, ha the final habit is one of intention. And it sounds like a lot of agilists are probably going to be pretty uh, versatile and uh, well-versed in this already. Um, wow. And the habit of intention is action. It's taking decisive action on a consistent basis towards the things that you care about in life. And sometimes they're just as simple as like clean your house or call your mom. Other times it's build a company, you know, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. So yeah. you know what, I'm going to let you decide which of these habits would you like to dive into? Yeah. Before we do that, I just, I want to ask a question about intention and maybe this will be the one that we actually unpack. Um, because you talked about it is actually about taking the action, but mm -hmm. I imagine it's not just action for the sake of action, Correct. but that there is, purpose and motive behind that, because that's the part that really, I think, as agilists, we are intentional. And there's yeah. a reason why mm -hmm. the disciplines and the practices that we advocate for and work with organizations on are important. So just talk a little bit about that. Sure. So intention is getting clear about what you want, why you want it, when you want it, how you will have it, what you will do, when you will do it. And it's, it's all the W's and yeah. it's just red, you know, it's like really like dramatic clarity around pathways. So the way I like to think about it is there's the big goal that we have, whatever that is, maybe it's, you know, I want to retire in five years, or I want to complete this massive software project and I want to bring this to market, or I want to do an IPO or whatever the big goal is but the small steps that we take every single day are the how that we're going to get yeah. there. I mean, if you think about a car, right, the, the gas in the car are all your little goals. Your, your little goals are the gas in the car that gets you to where you want to go. And if you don't have your little goals, like you're, you're really not clear on your big goal. And a lot of people will get overwhelmed by a big goal. Oh, I want to retire in five years. And then oftentimes you know, I don't know how to do that. So because they don't know how to do it, it doesn't happen. But the clarity around the little steps incrementally and what they need to be for whatever your goals are, be they commercial, personal, maybe even having a family. I mean, you know, 
it, we need clarity around exactly what we want, why we want it and how we're going to get there and then breaking things down and working backwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit like, um, a lot of agile people talk about kind of the five levels of planning where they are always accurate, but at varying levels of precision. So the least, the, the least precise yet most accurate goal we have is the vision of where we want to go all the way down to like the planning every day, the most precise and also equally accurate thing we're going to do today in pursuit of that vision. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the levels in between. So uh, I, I love the way you describe that. Um, I, I do. I want to play more with this kindness versus acceptance because I love you. You spoke about it as they're um, they're sisters, but not twins. Mm -hmm. um, I also heard Bangs described that way, but I don't have. Bangs. <laughs> I can't comment. The because um, you were talking about you know kindness is the way you're talking to yourself, and acceptance is really one is a feeling, one is action. Action, right? The um. But I'd also sometimes is maybe being accepting that you may not always be kind to yourself. And so how does that work? That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I think that the things that we accept about ourselves are who we are, the mistakes we've made, the dumb stuff we've done, that X that we just can't let go of mentally. We just need to accept those things or, you know, accept failures, accept perhaps cellulite on our thighs. And, you know, I, I don't care how successful you are. You worry about these things in the privacy of your own home. You worry about what you look like. We all do. Um, but accepting what we look like and accepting what we perform like, accepting the decisions we've made, accepting all these things and just being like, it is what it is. I'm good with it. And it's really like the cessation of um, passing value judgments on what we do. We don't even need to go so far as like, this is good or this is great. It's, it could be just as simple as it is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need a value judgment. Um, yeah. Personally, I do not accept, and I wouldn't advocate that we accept behavior that is destructive towards ourselves. I would not accept that as something that I just do. I think that could be very detrimental. So in the, in the book, I outline um, a three-step process for um, exactly how we seek to overcome this destructive process. I call it the one, two, three knockout. Um, and I don't want to ruin it for you. So I'm not going to tell you all about it, but just describe it's, it's the one, two, three knockout. And basically it's a, there's three specific things you need to do that actually help you to treat yourself like the nurturing parent. So we may not all be mothers, but we have all been a child. That's universal to everyone listening to this. You and I have both been children and mm -hmm. nurturing parental figure. Not all of us have had parents, you know, sometimes it's like a orphan situation or foster children, whatever. But the voice of the nurturing parent is the one that says, you can do it. I believe in you. Oh, you tried. That didn't go so well, but that's okay. You'll do better next time. I believe in you. You look great today. But that's not the script that runs in our head. The script that runs in our head sounds more like, I'm going to fail. I can't do this. I don't look good today. This is not my best outfit. Oh my God, I can't believe I have a zit and I have to walk into a meeting. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's a lot of destructive things that we do 
to ourselves that can easily be undone, but it begins with awareness, you know? Yeah, I, I'm so reminded of the work and study I've done around relationships and relationship systems coaching and the work of the Gottman Institute and how Gottman talks about the positivity ratio that in relationship with somebody like, you know, it takes five positive interactions to compensate for any given one negative. So it's like the marbles in the jar, Brene Brown thing, right? A negative thing will take five marbles out. Then you got to put five individual marbles back in to kind of keep equilibrium, equilibrium. But I don't know as though I've ever explicitly thought about applying that positivity ratio to how I talk to myself, that for every negative thing I say to myself or action I take towards myself needs five positive ones to keep that positivity bias and keep things in equilibrium just within self. And if I'm not doing that for me, how in the world can I give that to others in my life, whether that be at home or yeah. at work or wherever. Yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting idea. Um, my work takes it from a really different approach. If it's not like it's not, um, it's not about offsetting it. It's about actually getting to the very root of the problem. Mm. Unlike most traditional medicine, it seeks to, you know, provide a balm or a ointment yeah. or a pill not to, treat to solve the symptom. The symptom. Yeah. This is to literally solve the true root cause, which is how you feel about yourself and how you treat yourself. Um, and when you actually do those things, you don't need to have like the one to five ratio because you don't have the one. You actually yeah. get rid of it. What you do is you actually restructure the narrative inside your head. Um, and I have to tell you, like, so I have mastered five of the habits. I have ADD. Presence is the one I am so close with. I'm tr I'm trying, man. Like, which it's okay. Which the I most presence aside? Which one was most difficult for you? Um. I would actually say it was acceptance for me. Mm. Um, it was just something where I had a lifetime of self-loathing and it, that was just my way of being. And it like never occurred to me that I was doing something wrong. But once I started to really kind of unravel what these things are and what the predictable formulaic approach to happiness and success, however we define it is, the more I was able to realize wow, I've got some work to do here. Okay. So I, I'm the person that likes to eat the frog. I'll do the hardest thing first. Um, so I'm always focused on, um, the hardest thing in any area. And I focused on the acceptance and the kindness for me as where I wanted to begin. Therefore I achieved mastery of those the fastest. Occasionally I'll still say something, you know, unkind to myself because I just probably haven't touched that area yet just because the other ones were so glaring, but because I've got the tools now, I hear myself. I'm like, oh no, no, mm -mm, bye. And yeah. now my new default. And I didn't call it like the six epiphanies. They're the six habits. These are habits. What is a habit? It's something you do unconsciously. I don't yeah. think about it anymore. I don't have to consciously think about how I feel about myself anymore. I feel great every day, which is why I wake up happy. And I'm existing in my marriage happy. And I, I run both of my companies happy. 
and I interact with my clients happy and I don't even need to think about it or try anymore. It just is. And yeah. that's, I think, the state of acceptance like that we should all get to a place of is like, awesome. This is a pretty nice baseline. Yeah. No? So it's just better. With, with that, do you see a pattern with the women that you work with of the habits that are tripping them up the most often? Yeah, they tend to be the same ones that I um, struggle with. And it usually, okay. so I work with a lot of very accomplished, successful women who are very commercially successful. Um, they have achieved a lot of um, like awards and, you know, they've got the nice car and they've got the husband and they've got, or the wife, and they've got the two kids usually, maybe they've got the second home. And this is a very, very accomplished woman that has worked so hard for all of these things. And the achievement of these things has felt great, but it's beginning to feel hollow. And that's usually where I start to work with someone is when, when she starts to have this moment of how many more things can I achieve before I'm finally happy? I don't see my kids enough. I don't see my spouse enough. I don't, I don't like that. I only have like two weeks off, even though she's probably given six to eight weeks a year off, she doesn't take it. And when she does take time off to go to the Caribbean with her family, she's constantly checking her email. It's just this, this internal drive to succeed for the women that I spend a lot of time with one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's why they got where they are, but they can't appreciate the life they have. And they never slow down long enough to actually enjoy the fruits of their labor. And if they're like me, which many of them are, they achieved because of a nagging, persistent, unrelenting feeling of never being enough and constantly chasing that enoughness. And one of the th first things I do is I work with them to help them to really thoroughly unpack that and reframe their relationship with themselves. Because that's really the, the largest success that any of us can hope to achieve is really being so good in our skin just as we are and just letting things be what they are and letting somebody perhaps be disappointed and that's okay. Yeah. And, oh, you know what? I can't do that for you. Period. Yeah. Full stop. And there is, there is something about when you give yourself that permission to disappoint someone or no. tell someone no it's actually not as bad as you thought it was going to be. It's like we almost make up this giant fear of what's going to happen if we don't perform. And I know what I've found out for myself is I could probably get by on 60% of my effort and totally meet everyone else's expectations. But I am holding myself to a standard that is stratospherically beyond Oh, well, what other course. people hold me to. And then there's the question of permission, right? We talked ever so briefly about self-care, but like one of the things that I experience most often with these women whom I adore, by the way, um, is, oh, well, I have to take care of everyone else. I have to, I have to, I have to. And what will happen if my finger stops twirling the world? It's mm -hmm. all going to fall down. And you know what? I will meet my needs after everyone else is taken care of. Once the kids are all set, then I, it's a lot of if then stuff, yeah. which are just terrible arguments to build your life on. It's no, this will happen because I've done this for me. And it's changing yeah. that 
um, mentality. And it's so hard, but you know, the thing that I can honestly say, the biggest shift I ever experienced in my life came because I finally just broke and I finally surrendered to the possibility that it doesn't have to be this way. I don't have to set myself on fire to keep others warm. And I don't have to keep up this facade that I'm fine when I'm not. Yes. And the, I think the, the beautiful part of the work I get to do now is being that safe space for my clients, some of whom are men, but um, being that safe space that says it's okay for you to admit you're not actually fully happy doing what you're doing. And just because you have all the success indicators and all the toys, it's okay to still be unhappy. And you get to say that and you get to do something about it without letting go of all those fun toys that you work so hard for. There's a pathway. It's kind of like we talked about with intention. Like you need a pathway to get what you want. Do you need a pathway so you can retire and start your own business? Do you need a pathway to fix your marriage? Do you need a pathway to spending more time with your family? Yes. The, the, the freedom lies in the sequential steps that it takes to get you where you want to go, but it all begins within all of it. Yeah. And, and it requires habits and building of new habits around all of this so that those daily actions are different in pursuit of it. Correct. So I'm famous um, for saying this and I'm going to say it again because I love it. Your existing habits got you to the life you have. Yes. If you want a, a different life where you're sunshinier, happier, having better sex, more money, more success, more quality time with the kids, you need different habits so you can build that life. Yeah. You could replace that exact same thing and how Agilist talks to executives about the ability to more rapidly deliver value into the marketplace for their consumers yes. and how you can't, you don't do it on the same organizational habits you have today. You need new ones. Well, so absolutely. I'm thinking there's so many ways that like this, these six habits we can translate for how we work with oh, our absolutely. organizations. Well, the, the thing um, is the organization is a sum of individuals. And when you nurture, heal and grow the individual, you nurture, heal and grow the, in, the organization. And yeah. when it happens at an individual level, I mean, insert the word, you know, family for organization, culture, for organization. But whenever you fix the individual, you massively fix the organization yeah. and, and give it the ability to like up level in ways that perhaps have been out of reach. Like, are you looking to be more efficient? Are you looking to be more clear? Are you looking to be more um, creative? Are you looking to, to do things faster and more, um, you know, with greater buying and greater communication? Like, what is it that you want to do when you master self, you can accomplish anything. Yeah, that's totally, I, I completely agree. Before we wrap up, I do want to go back to this idea of speaking the unpopular opinion and how you link sort of the adoption of these six habits to that courage that people, specifically women, you know, can take in being that truth teller and holding that mirror up, not only to ourselves with the unpopular opinions we might want to be reflecting back to ourselves, but in sort of reflecting those other things back into the world. What What's that linkage there for you? So the linkage is like these different habits 
they all are part of this, the whole, right? Um, they're really just six slices of the pie, but it's all the same pie. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, they all have a different intended purpose. When you accept yourself, you feel emboldened because you realize that you don't need to stop trying to be something you're not. You get to feel actually powerful in how you are when you are kind to yourself, you find courage by default because you find an unlimited wellspring within of courage and everything you need, you know, like, and, and I could go on with the habits. Like there's, there's just so many different things, but we as a culture and we as women and we as professionals have always made a mistake of externalizing need fulfillment and you know, mastery of life, success, happiness, all of it is an inside job, all of it. Yeah. And when yeah. you master those habits, that's when you can have anything you can possibly imagine. Yeah. That ability to really be centered in yourself. It, I guess it, it is a gateway towards giving yourself that permission. Absolutely. To share whatever that thing is. Cause you realize that by sharing it, it keeps you kind of in integrity with yourself and as a gift to kind of making the world a better place around you. Well, yeah. I mean, so think about this. You want to say something complicated, right? And, you know, I love how you brought up Brene Brown. I love her. And, you know, the vulnerability conversation is a tough one, especially yeah. as um, oftentimes women have been socialized to believe that their vulnerability equals their weakness, which mm -hmm. I don't believe, right? But if we can, if we can like actually shift that thought process to something where we're recognizing that when we take a hard subject, we don't need to be combative and argumentative with other people when we feel more grounded and clear about where we stand and who we are. We don't need to tear others down to make our point clearer. And because we feel really good about who we are by ourselves in our own sovereignty, we can approach our points more objectively through intention by approaching something from just a logical perspective and taking the big feelings out of it. And, and, you know, the gratitude for a situation and the gratitude lens that we can view life through gives us the ability to actually find new perspectives and new pathways to explore and actually have a conversation that few others can have. And it actually gives you the tools to, instead of just be a thinker, you can actually be a thought leader that helps others. And frankly, yeah. no one was remembered for following the rules. They were remembered from breaking them or making new ones. Yeah. And I, um, I love that sort of distinction between you know, being a thinker versus a thought leader. It makes me actually want to take it to a, another level of it's not just being a thought leader, but it's being like a generative thought cultivator. Like mm. that, that manifestation of leadership is like mm -hmm. that generative quality of cultivating it from the whole of who we are as a person, as well as those around us. Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I am enjoying the heck out of this conversation because I can tell you are such a big thinker and that's, that's really important. And the type of person that really resonates with the six habit stuff is the person that thinks in a big scale of realizing the massive way down the road impact of the simple things yes. in the habits. That's the thing. The six habits. I'm going to be honest with you. This is not stuff that's like rocket science, but that's, that's why it works is when yeah. you can master the simple things, the little things. Yeah. 
that's when it's really successful. And nobody needs, like, I'm not asking anybody, you know, that reads this book or, you know, like that does the work or wants to master themselves. Like you need to master this really complicated algorithmic method and blah, blah, blah. No, these are six things that you should have ingrained in you from the time that you are born and socialized to join our culture, our work, and everything you want to do, but through behaving for our parents so they don't get upset with us, from behaving for teachers, for trying to fit into what society expects us to be, to um, other kids on the playground treating us certain ways, we get pushed and molded and we treat ourselves like crap. We don't accept ourselves. We are ungrateful and we take everything for granted and we're just bumbling through life half the time. And, you know, we think we have intention until we really explore what intention really means. And we realize, wow, I've been a passenger in my own life. Yeah. And I'm distracted. And I spend my life soaking in tons of negative energy because I feel like I'm supposed to. And, yes. and, it's and, our burden and to bear. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so when we're yeah. experiencing all of this societal stuff, but never taking a moment to like actually bring it back down to these sovereign, beautiful, simple six tenets of the whole within ourselves, we, we can't live a truly free or, tr or remarkable life. We're doomed to the mundane. I don't do mundane. I don't have time for mundane. As far as I know, and I've you know, done my best to figure this out, I get one life. I'm determined to have this be a good one. I want to do great things in business and bring all my great ideas to fruition. I want to have the best marriage, the best family, the most incredible life I've always dreamed of. And if I don't nurture me and honor all that is within me, regard like regardless of my roles, boss, wife, sister, daughter, and all the expectations that others have on me, I can't do it. Yes. My relationship yes. with myself is the primary relationship I need to have. It's the primary relationship you need to have and everybody listening to this. It begins within, period. That's probably my new subtitle. It begins within. <laughs> I love it, Laura. I love it. And I've kept you longer than I intended to for this conversation because I too, like, I feel like we could go on for hours. Um, there, there's so, so much here. So before we wrap up, one question, I always love to sort of just inspire people with like, whatever people are, our guests are geeking out on these days. So like, what are you like studying or researching or, or what sort of your thing right now in life? Well, my thing right now is... Um studying nutrition and genetics ah. and how we can basically live our most fully expressed lives through our genes and avoiding cancer. And I'm like reading a bunch of books on it. My current book about this is deep nutrition. It's really fascinating. I mean, if you like nerdy stuff, you're going to love yeah. this book because I love nerdy <laughs> stuff. And um, it's just, it's really fascinating to realize how we as just a world have no idea what we're doing to, to eat or to avoid cancer. And we have toxins in our body and toxins in our environment, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've done so much with the six habits to like take care of like the soul and the spirit and the unseen. Now what I'm trying to do is take a look at the physical realm, which is the body and the ultimate expression of health that way. Very cool. It sounds like another book in the making probably. I don't know about that. I feel like this is a deeper subject than I have enough lifetimes to write about. <laughs> 
Fair enough. But speaking of books, so, and we'll have this information in the show notes, but our listeners are going to be able to go to thesixhabits.com slash WIA, W-I-A, in order to actually get access to the book, right? Yes, it's my gift to you and your listeners. Enjoy. Um, I, I give this to you with tons of love and respect. And uh, I have two things that I want to add to that. One, the book is loaded with invitations for you to do the work. And it's because I don't like excuses. I have given like, uh, there's a link that you can get through the book where you can download lots of exercises that go with the book. That's free as well. So you can have lots of opportunities to truly begin your mastery journey on your terms. Um, and I guess the only piece of advice I'd want to impart to everyone that actually gets the book or does anything in life is do the work. Yeah. That's it. Just do the work. Nobody says nobody says it needs to be pretty. It's probably not going to be easy. Might hurt a little. Too bad. Do yeah. the work. The efforts are absolutely worth it. I love that. And and I gather that if you're feeling overwhelmed by all six habits, just pick one and just try it out and get started. Yeah, get started. I mean, you know, it begins with um, you know, inventory of where you stand. How are you doing? And that's what a lot of the exercises help you with is to figure out where you are currently. And, you know, here's the thing. Everybody has varying levels of proficiency in the six habits already. So yeah. if you're like, if you're giving yourself a score of like, I don't know, like an 85% out of a hundred in one of the habits, and it's not that far to like bring it to hundred, start with that one. If you're looking for an easy layup where you could eat the oh, frog I like that. I do and go with the hard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's so, that's so good. Like when you build on what's already working. Well, that's just, right? it. That's, a, that's part of being kind to yourself, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. And that's the thing, like, you know, do the work, don't expect it to be pretty or easy or whatever. I mean, yes, just cause it's simple, you know, people might read the book and I've had a few people say this as critique. They're like, Oh, well, these things are so simple. Really? Is that why you've mastered them? Well, I didn't say I mastered them. And, yeah. and that's why I wrote a book about it, honey. <laughs> well, I say, and you could again, right, almost replace agile with that. Like the, the work we do often so simple on the surface, but so challenging and complex to actually put into practice and adopt all those habits as well. So you, you are speaking to people that understand that. Um, Laura, thank you for helping us sort of really reframe some of the things that we know are important for how we work with our organizations back on ourselves. Um, I, I love this sort of invitation and thank you for the gift of, of people being able to get their hands on the book. Uh, it's been a delight to talk with you today. Yeah, same here. Pleasures are all mine. Thank you so much for the invitation to chat with you. Yeah, you're welcome, Laura. And thank you listeners for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. And you can always go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.